On the Pasuk Vatayte Eish Malifne Hashem Vatoychal Oisam, that a fire came out from Hashem and consumed Nodav and Aviyu, Rashi brings from the words, from the words of the Pasuk Vatayte Eish that a fire came out, and he explains that Rabbi Yezer says that the reason why Bnei Arin died was because Hoyru Halacha Bifne Moshe Rabban, because they paskin the Halacha in front of Moshe the Rebbe. Rabbi Shmuel says, that they came into the Beis Mikdash after having drunk wine, that they were intoxicated. And the proof of this is because after they pass away, the command comes to all of the remaining Koyanim that they should not go into the Beis Mikdash while they have uh, drunk wine. And Rashi brings a mushal to a melech that had a ben bayis, a, a member of the household, etc., as it says in Vayikra Rabba. That's what Rashi says. So the Rebbe asks, number one, the reason for the death of Bnei Aaron seemingly says clearly in the Pasuk, in the simple words of the Pasuk, and it says in the Pasuk just before this, Vayakrivu lefnei Hashem, that they brought in front of Hashem, Eish Zara, foreign fire, Asher lo itziva oisam, that Hashem did not command them, and therefore a fire came out, and they died. So seemingly there's no need for any explanation whatsoever. Point number two, the Rebbe says, once Rashi is already explaining why they died, Rashi goes ahead and does not explain it according to the simple meaning, but seemingly is explaining it according to some sort of explanation that does not have anything to do with the simple meaning of the psukim. Number three, since Rashi is coming to explain the reason why the children of Arin died, he should have brought in the words of the Dibra Maskal of Rashi, also the word Vayamusu, that they died, which is what he's trying to explain, not the words Vatetze Eish, which means a fire came out. Number four, it's known the rule that when Rashi brings two Pirushim regarding one idea, it's because one of them alone would not be enough to explain the Posik in its simple sense with every single detail. There's some sort of difficulty or more than one difficulty, in one of the explanations which the other explanation would not have. However, the, the pirush that Rashi brings first would be closer to Pshutish Mikra. So we need to understand what are the questions in this case in these two pirushim, and in what way is the first one better than the second, for which reason Rashi brings it first. Another question that Rebbe asks is, that we discussed many times, that if Rashi brings in his pirush, also the name of who said it, not like Rashi usually does, where he leaves that out. It's obviously coming to help us understand something in his, in his explanation. So we need to understand in this case, why is Rashi mentioning that this was Rabbi Eliezer or Rabbi Ishmael? How does this help us in this particular case? And finally, the Rebbe asks, we know that Rashi is very, very particular in his words. So we need to understand. Rashi brings from the Medrash the words Moshal Lamelech, a marshal of a king that had a ben bayis, etc. So the Rebbe asks, If Rashi is just trying to tell us which general story in the Medrash we're referring to, and you'd have to go look yourself into the Medrash, that Rashi could have been even briefer, and just said, In other words, he does not have to add the word, that had a, a household member. If Rashi does want to tell us the marshal, then he should have brought the whole marshal, not just the first few words, from which we don't seemingly know much. So we must say that by Rashi adding <clears throat> into the words of the marshal, not only marshal and melech, but he also says, ben somehow this is a very, very crucial and important detail in explaining his pirush. So we need to understand what exactly is being told to us in these words 
of that this king had a ben bias, and how is that going to help us understand Rashi's Pirush? Says the Rebbe, the explanation of all of this is, since Rashi is quoting, as we said, the words Vatetzeyeish, we understand that the main problem over here is in those words Vatetzeyeish, and that is what causes Rashi to give us these other explanations of why the children of Aaron died. The explanation for this is, the way that the children of Aaron died... Will is, is obvious that the Abishta usually, as we know, punishes Mida connected Mida. So the fire came out. Somehow, somehow it has to do, as it seems clearly in the Pasuk also, that they what they did was that they brought an Aish Zora. However, the problem with this is, in Mikra, how is it possible to say that Vatetse Aish, that the words Vatetse Aish is coming to describe this very, very harsh punishment? If just two psukim previously, this very, very expression was used, was used when the Shekhinah comes down into the Mishkan, that the fire came down from Hashem, this was considered the greatest and biggest reward. How does it make sense to say over here that suddenly these very same words are being used as such a harsh punishment? In fact, what does Rashi say on those words, that for the seven days of Miluim, the seven days of preparation, the Shechino was not coming down to the Mishkan. The Yidin were embarrassed. Moshe Rabbeinu said that Aaron, my brother, he is deserving that through his Korbanis and his, through his avoided, the Shechino is going to come down. And then finally, and a fire comes down. And then, all the Yidin see the fire. And they're praising Hashem and they're singing to Hashem. They fall on their faces. What an amazing thing. And suddenly here, these same words are being used for such a harsh punishment. This is what forces Rashi to say that even in Vatetzei Eish that says by the death of the children of Aaron, in some way or other, this Vatetzei Eish also is related to Hashroas Hashchina that the Shechina is coming down. In other words, it's a gilu of Kedusha. Just like when Aaron did his avoida, Vatetzei Eish that the fire came down on a Mizbeach represented a tremendous gilu of the Shechina. So too, the very k'toyres that the children of Aaron are bringing, this too brings Vatetzeyesh, a great gilu of the Shechina. But because there was some sort of problem, at least according to their level, in the way they conducted themselves regarding this Avoidah, so yes, the Avoidah itself is a very great one that brings down the Shechina, but because of some detail that was a chisar in their Avoidah, therefore this fire consumed them and they died, but the actual Avoidah was actually a holy Avoidah. And this is why Rashi says, Loi mei The only reason they died was not because of the Avoidah, but rather because hoiru halacha b'fnei rabon, which means that they decided on their own to bring this fire without getting instruction from Moshe Rabbeinu. And why does it say, Eish zara asher which sounds like it's some foreign fire they weren't commanded to bring, etc. So the Rebbe explains, no, the, this very, these very words are telling us that bringing this fire, the only issue with it was, the only reason why it's considered a foreign fire is because they weren't commanded. Rather, they decided this on their own. But the actual thing of bringing the fire, that wasn't a problem. And nevertheless, it's called an Ezzara, a, a, a foreign fire, similar. So what it says, K'toyre Zara. And in another Pasuk, where Rashi explains over there that when one brings a Ktoiris that's not what he is supposed to be bringing now, that's not the place and time for it and the person for it, then it's already considered Zorah, it's considered foreign. But the actual fire itself, there was no problem with. 
However, the only issue with this is will still be a little bit difficult to understand. Why such a strict and harsh punishment would come for this if in essence there's no problem with the fire, it's only that they now decided without getting the instruction from Moshe Rabbeinu. So Rashi hints to answer this by saying that who is the one that said it? Rabbi Eliezer. The Gemara tells us tremendous, tremendous praise and things about the greatness of Rabbi Eliezer. The Medrash, the Gemara, the Mishnah tells us tremendous things about Rabbi Eliezer that describe his greatness in Torah. For, and nevertheless, what does Rabbi Eliezer himself tell us? It says, If a person says something that he didn't hear from his Rebbe, he is causing the Shechina to leave the Eden. So from this we can understand how much more so when not only is one saying something that he didn't hear from his Rebbe, but he's saying it in front of his Rebbe, going ahead and saying something that he didn't hear from his Rebbe in front of his Rebbe, paskening differently. We can understand how serious that would be. From that we can understand, if that, that's the case, we can understand why the Bnei Arin are being punished with such a harsh punishment. However, says the Rebbe, this pirush itself is still not enough because if that's the case, the question comes the other way around. If in bringing this k'toyrus, they were being moira halacha b'fnei rabbin, they're paskening in front of the Rebbe. And as we said in the name of the same Rabbi Eliezer, they're causing the Shechina to go away from the Yidin. So if that's the case, why is it bringing v'teitzeyesh that's actually bringing the hashroas ha-shechina, it's actually bringing the Shechina. Because of this difficulty, Rashi brings a second pirush. And he says the issue was something else. That it was after they had drunk wine. If that's the case, we're speaking about something that they were never even told about that there's any problem. So that, that, then that follows that the actual k'toyres that they brought was no problem at all. That was done perfectly. They weren't transgressing the Ebishtas Tzivuy in that at all. And therefore it's understood why by bringing k'toyres, if there's no problem with that at all, if the issue is not that they weren't told to do it. Here we're speaking about there was a different issue because of the yayin, which they were never commanded for. But the k'toyres itself was a perfect k'toyres. So then we can understand why just basically is bringing down the shechina. And this is where Rashi goes on in his pirish and he says, Teda, the proof for this is, because after they pass away they're warned. The people that are left over are warned not to go into the base of Migdash once they have drunk wine. What's Rashi telling us? In other words, like this. You might say that why is it that the Torah is in the middle of the whole story of the avoid of this special day, right after the death of the children of Aaron, why is the Torah coming and telling us about not drinking wine? So you might say that's what Rashi is trying to tell us. The reason why that comes in is to hint why they died. That's the way we would look at Rashi simply. So the Rebbe says, no, it's more than that. It's actually coming to explain the advantage. What Rashi is doing is telling us the advantage of this pirush, of the fact that they had drunk wine over the first pirush. As said before, that according to Rabbi Yishmoel, the Bnei Aaron did not transgress anything at all when they brought this carbon, when they brought this k'toyres, because they were not commanded on this yet. It's only after they pass away that the rest of the koyanim are commanded not to drink wine. In other words, again, simply we would look at this Rashi and say, oh, that the reason why Rashi is telling us is that we see over here right afterwards the Torah is telling us about the fact that they... That you're not allowed to drink wine. Oh, that helps us understand why the Bnei Arin died. But the Rebbe is saying, no, it's the other way around. 
What it's coming to tell us is that when they did it, there was nothing wrong yet because it's only afterwards that they're being commanded not to drink wine. And then what the Pasuk says, what is the Pasuk saying? Meaning to say that they weren't commanded, but others were commanded, meaning later people would be commanded. And since it's obvious that Nadav and Aviyu, the older sons of Aaron, were, uh, that they were brought up to the Kohuna together with Aaron, obviously they're the closest, they're the greatest people, as it actually says, that the Ebishta said, to Moshe Rabbeinu Alei Hashem, that you're going to go up to Hashem and Arsina Atav Aaron Nadav Aviyu Veshivim Mizikna Yisroel. So, in other words, Nadav and Aviyu themselves are the greatest of the greatest people. So then, you obviously have to say that, nevertheless, according to their high level, there was still some sort of problem over here that they were suyayin. However, the question would then be, but why should they be punished? And such a harsh punishment if they weren't even commanded yet for this. And this is what Rashi answers with the words, Marshal Melech Shahoyeloi Ben Bayis, which in truth, just these words themselves are already telling us a tremendous amount. As it says, and the Rebbe says, as Rashi continues quoting, this be very What does the Medrash actually tell us? The Marshal goes as follows A king had a Ben Bayis name on a faithful household member, and he found him standing at the, at the entranceway of the door of Chanuyos of stores. And the king beheaded him and, was, and didn't say why. There was no reason given why, why, why his head was removed. Then the, the king appointed somebody else instead of him. We still have no idea why the first guy was killed. But when the king goes ahead and tells the second person, don't go to the doorways of these stores, we know that that must be the reason why the first guy was killed. What do we see from the Medrash? That even though the first person was not commanded... Nevertheless, the point being is, being that he's a Ben Bayis, because he's a member of the household of the king, there are certain things that he needs to understand on his own without a clear warning, that this would be against what the king wants. And this is what Rashi is hinting to over here, when he just brings those first words of the Medrash, because that's basically answering the question, why the children of Aaron are being punished for something they were never even commanded. The answer is because they are Bnei Bayis, so they're so close to Hashem. As the Pasuk says about them, those that were, are close to me, through them I'll be sanctified. And therefore by themselves they would have known what's supposed to happen, so to speak, in Hashem's house, even if they weren't commanded directly. Nevertheless, this Pirush itself wouldn't be completely, completely understood either to say that the children of Aaron should be punished with such a harsh punishment on something that were never even commanded. And that's why Rashi adds the word that Rabbi Shmuel is the one that said it. What does the Gemara tell us about Rabbi Shmuel? Gemara uses an expression about Rabbi Shmuel that he was a koyen, koyen godly even. And the Gemara uses an expression, kana messiah kana. The koyen always wants to sort of say something that's going to be more beneficial for koyanim. That's the way Rashi explains it, that he's always trying to help them and be more lenient and better for them. And therefore, Rabbi Shmuel here too is trying to help out the Koyanim, so to speak, the Chait Bnei Arin Koyanim, even if maybe it doesn't flow so well in the Psukim, rather than explaining the Pasuk in a more simple way. But then, it would be giving a harsher punishment and being saying that it's a greater sin. In other words, if Rabbi Shmuel would stick to the same Pirush as Rabbi Eliezer saying that they did something against Moshe Rabbeinu, so then it's obviously a harsher punishment. What's Rabbi Shmuel saying? That they're a harsher um, sin, excuse me. 
So what's, what's Rabbi Shmuel actually saying? That their sin that they did was not actually as great. It's something that they were never even commanded about. And they never went against the tzivu of the Ebishter. However, the Rebbe says there's still a question on this Pirush of Rabbi Shmuel. Because from the words Vayakrivu Zara, it sounds like that there was some problem in the fire itself, in the avoida itself, not only because they had a problem that they were intoxicated. Number two, since the Aveiro was not regarding the bringing of the Ketoidus in the fire itself, why is it that Vatetzeh, that it's a fire that comes to consume them, or why is it relevant in the Pasuk to speak about the fire? And therefore Rashi doesn't only bring this Pirush, on the contrary, he brings it as a second Pirush. In other words, saying that the first Pirush, even though it's also not 100% smooth in Pshutish Mikra, nevertheless it fits a little bit closer and more to the simple Pirush of the Psukim because of these questions. Because in that case it is an issue with the fire itself that they brought. And in, this, in that case it is understood more why it's a fire specifically that comes and consumes them. And that's why that Pirush is brought first. So Rebbe now goes on to the Chelek Halacha that we could learn from this Rashi. Rashi says, and that's the way it's in the Gemara as well, The question is, why specifically are we emphasizing that it's Moshe? Couldn't we just say, Furthermore, seemingly there was a bigger Aveir over here than saying a Halacha in front of Moshe Rabbeinu. Aaron is standing there as well. Aaron is also their father, of course. So therefore they are. Being they're offending him, especially that the Ktoiris is directly connected to Aaron. In other words, Aaron is usually the one to bring the Ktoiris, as Rashi just said earlier. That Moshe went in with Aaron to teach him about the Ktoiris. So therefore, the fact that they brought the Ktoiris by themselves is offending the avoid of Aaron of that day. It's offending and going against the clear command that says in Pshutishal Mikra and in Daseris Adibrois, Kabe Desovicha. If that's the case, seemingly not only is the word Moshe unnecessary, that they were Moshe, but furthermore, it seems to be negating the issue that there was a offending Aaron. So the Rebbe explains, and this goes connected now to Pesach. It's, the Rebbe says, we find regarding the dinim of Haseba, of reclining, that a Talmud eats in front of his Rebbe, a Talmud who's eating in front of his Rebbe, even if it's not Rabbi Muvak. Rabbi Muvak is a person that you learned all your Torah from, or most of your Torah from. Nevertheless, he's not allowed to recline in front of him because of Moira and Kavid Harav, unless the Rav gives him permission to recline. However, there's no obligation that the Rav needs to give him Rishos and to be Moichel on his Kavid. That's all by a Rav. What about a son eating by his father? Even if his father is also Rabbi Muvik is also his Rebbe. So then he does recline because we say that most probably the father is Moichel on his covet to his own child. That is, even though that Kibud Aviv, which is also his Rebbe, is in, in many ways more strict than Kavid Rabbi, nevertheless we say that most probably the father will be Moichel to his son as opposed to a Rav to his Talmud. So applying that to the children of Aaron, so even though, yes, it's true that the obligation to, for Kavod Rav and Av, which is their father, who is both, who's both, would be greater than just Kavod Rav, which is Moshe, 
Nevertheless, according to this halacha, we would say that a child, it's moira halacha, that would paskin in front of his father, it's not going to be as strict as a Talmud in front of his Rebbe, because most probably the father is being moichel to the child, like in the din of Eseba, as opposed to a Rav and a Talmud, where we don't say that. Based on that, we can understand why Rashi says that as opposed to the fact that they were also being in front of Aaron and taking away from Aaron's covered because the point being is that's not why they're being punished because we'll say that surely Aaron would have been the Moichel. And based on this, we could also understand why Rashi brings from the Posik the words B'nei Aaron, Loimesu B'nei Aaron, why the children of Aaron die. Well, it says in the Pasuk of the children of Aaron. Why is, it being, why is Rashi emphasizing this? So Rashi is coming to explain that the point is, since we're speaking about Bnei Aaron, that's what makes us understand that the only reason they died is because that's only because they passed it in front of Moshe and not, it's, it's nothing to do with the fact that they also did it in front of Aaron because again, the father is most probably Moichel to his son. The Rebbe goes into Yenishol Torah, into the Pneumistic Yonim, and the Hoyrah that we have in Rashi in front of us, that even though we're speaking about someone like Nodav and Aviyu on such a, such a high level, to the extent that Moshe and Aaron said that they're greater than Moshe and Aaron, and the Abish that called them Bekroivai, that the ones that are so close to me, nevertheless, they're punished in such a harsh punishment, because of the lack of bitul that they had to their Rebbe, Hoyru Halacha Bufanov. Rabbi Eliezer, despite the fact, as we said before, how great his Koyach and Torah was, he is the one that says, that a Oimer Dovar, someone that says something that he didn't hear from his Rebbe, causes the Shechina to go away from Yisroel. In other words, that the bitul to one's Rebbe is something that's absolutely crucial to the Gili Shechina, to all of the Yidin. From here we learn that a person should never say, I'm a lamdan, I'm a tamad chacham. How could I be bottled to a certain rav and to wait that he should tell me the halacha in Torah and so too in the ways of the world and in the way that I should go. In avoidus Hashem, why can't I go ahead? I'm strong, I'm great enough to paskin for myself. Says the Rebbe, who do we have greater than Nadav and Aviyu? And yet, what do we say their whole Aveira was? As Rashi says, Loi Meisub the only reason they died was Ella, only because of Hoyru Allah to the extent that it, would, that it mattered over here. And was relevant not only to them, but it causes the opposite of Giliashchinali Yisrael. On the other hand, yes, it is demanded of each and every year to learn Torah specifically in a way where he does understand it with his own Seichel, to the extent that he's completely permeated with the understanding of Torah. And that's why Rashi tells us, on the other hand, that what does Rabbi Shmuel say? What does this mean? Yayin and Chassidus represents the concept of bina, of understanding. Yayin is when one is filled, permeated with understanding. What was the problem? The problem was that they went in l'mikdash in this particular way. That means the only problem when there's suyayayin, when is there a problem with using too much of that understanding, is when you're going into this holy place of the mikdash. In other words, where there you need much more of a level of bitul. But otherwise, of course a person needs to be filled with havana vasaga and using as much as his mind in the understanding of the halacha and the Torah. And the Rebbe explains, mikdash represents tefillah. That means this is the time when a person is standing and at that point if one even makes a motion in front of the king it's considered the harshest thing already. Because a person needs to be with the greatest bitu like a servant in front of his master. 
But when a yid is involved in Torah, then it needs to be suyayin. He needs to be intoxicated with the Torah. He needs to be filled and permeated with the seichel of the Torah. And the Rebbe tells a story that the Gemara says, Yudashalmi says, about Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Loi, that a certain princess told him that his face was looked like as if he had drunk wine. So, he, so Rabbi Huda responded that that's because he was filled, he was permeated with Torah. That means that the Gashmis he looked intoxicated because his Gashmis was according to his Ruchnis. And by Ruchnis he was intoxicated, permeated with understanding of Torah. Now this idea, that meaning in the time when we call Mikdash, the person is completely bottled by Metzius, this gives him the Koyach that also when he goes out and learns Torah with his own Seichel, he should be with the proper Bittul, together with the fact that he's understanding it with the Seichel, the Rebbe concludes and says, the question is, how could a person go ahead and connect these two opposites in Limud HaToyed on the one end? He's feeling all of his Seichel at the same time a tremendous bittel to the Abishter. And for this, the Rebbe says, Rashi hints to the words, Marshal Amelech Shoyeloi Ben Bayis. That since we're speaking about the Yidin, that they are Ben Bayis, that the Abishter's family, the Abishter's household member, of Melech Malchi Amlach Makadish Baruchu. So the Abishta gives us the Kayak to connect these opposites that we should be able to learn by Avon of our saga at the same time with the proper Bittul. And through this, we bring together also the two seemingly opposites the world with Elikus. The world conducts itself according to the Psak Din of the one that learns Torah, as did Azal say in the Posak Lokale Goimer Aloy, that the Torah itself affects and changes the world. And through this, we bring close the promise. Of a niglukvet Hashem v'ro called Bosor Yachtav that the flesh itself will see godliness and kipi Hashem diber that Hashem spoke bevias Mashiach tzedkenu.